This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh House. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. The season is winding down. There's only three games remaining on the 2023-24 schedule but we keep going here and because i have a hell of a co-host we have a great show coming for you today joshua house what's up dude how's it going man glad i can come on here and talk dolphins football with you you said you, you can hear the kids there they're stoked for the podcast you said we have three left though we technically have four right because uh the pro bowl flag football game right and we have a bunch Ooh. of dolphin players in that so I'll be watching. I'll be posting videos, but um, I can't believe the season's trickling down, man. How was how was your weekend? Those were some pretty fantastic games this past week. We had an interesting, interesting weekend of football. Thank God we don't have to deal with Buffalo Bill fans anymore. That is always exciting. But, man, I got to start on X because the algorithm has gotten to me. Have you seen – there was this one post that was basically – does anyone have that one uh, sitcom clip? And man, it's just thrown me a loop. My entire algorithm are just always sunny clips, arrested development clips. I sent you the Pepe Sylvia clip and man, I got to tell you, Lucille Bluth in arrested development, the, the clip that always gets me, I always go back to um, talking to Michael about the economy and, and Lucille brings up bananas and asks, what do they cost, Michael? $7 for a banana? There are just some clips that I, I don't know if it brings me back to my Vine days or what, but just these like 13 to like 17 second clips of just pure comedy gold, man. I, I, I didn't get a lot of work done today just looking at those. Yeah, and that Charlie one, I mean, that's like, that's iconic, right? I mean, 
that was one of the, my favorite episodes. I went and uh, changed what, my profile to Pe- Pepe Silva. I went and then changed my uh, uh, that's why I changed my uh location to. So best gift, best video, I guess that could have went around, and uh, that was a good way to start this day. But like you said, man, it took your entire day away. Dude, the ASMR of Charlie banging his hand on a door while screaming Carol as he's trying to uh, uncover this whole Ponzi scheme inside of their, uh, the, wherever they were working. Dude, it, it just threw me for a loop and it was just so, so funny. Uh, yeah, if you have never watched Always Sunny and you're looking for a show to sit back and enjoy, uh, same thing about Arrested Development. That one's just full of so many one-liners. Josh, did you ever watch Arrested Development? Yeah, I actually did when I was in culinary school. I didn't really ever see an episode of it. Finally watched it. Oh, my God. That was awesome. Dude, the literal doctor gets me every time. Just <laughs> Your son's going to be all right. No, no, because he lost his left hand, so he can only use his right hand. The literal doctor, man, that's just purest of pure writing. But I want to talk about these games. The conference championships are set. We have the 49ers facing the Lions and the Ravens facing the Chiefs. Man. Was there anything that you kind of flat out, we're Dolphin fans, we're not really used to playing in the divisional round. I mean, we can kind of say that. Uh, is there anything you really learned this weekend about where the Miami Dolphins are and what they need to do in order to be one of those teams, you know, winning two, three playoff games in a, uh, hopefully three playoff games in a uh, postseason? I don't know, man. I guess the negative Dolphins fan is just watching all those teams and just thinking, wow, the Dolphins must be, you know, this far apart from those guys. And when you think about it, if we could have stayed healthy, who knows what may have happened. So um, I guess my biggest thing is that maybe we shouldn't be so down on how this season ended. But when you see Josh Allen out there and see Patrick Mahomes taking over games with, you know, grocery baggers, right. Or, uh, you know, dishwashers, there's his receiving core. I mean, it's impressive stuff and it gives us a little bit of a hint as to, you know, maybe we're not as close as we think, but I'm going to take it the other way and say that we're, we're closer than we might think. One thing I think I need the dolphins to do is just have, whether it's, to have Mike McDaniel be in someone's ear or for someone to be in Mike McDaniel's ear, because these late game situations, man, are just getting crazier and crazier. So the chiefs beat the bills 27, 24. I mean, I'm sure everyone's watching enough recaps about the games for now, Josh, you have what six touchdowns scored three field goals. That's a lot of extra points. That's a lot of kicks. And from the start of this game in Western New York, in Buffalo, everyone was freaking out about the wind, the wind, the wind. The first, the first field goal, I think it was Harrison Bucker, kicks it through perfectly. And, you know, even at the start of the game, you heard Tony Romo and Jim Rance, Jim Nance, even though you don't want to listen to them. I mean, what a tough, tough listen those guys are. But for three quarters, we heard about how the wind was going to be a factor. And it wasn't. Why did everybody ignore that? And all of a sudden it came down to Taylor Bass missing that extra po- or that field goal, excuse me, wide right. The kick went wide right. The wind just took it away. Man, I just feel like, especially in these playoff games, there are so many things happening at once where you kind of forget what happened five minutes ago. And we see the Miami Dolphins, the late game situations they run into. Why aren't we running the football more? Just really these stabilizing questions about how these late playoff game uh, situations become so, so tense. I mean, dude, the Bills greenlit a fake punt when you have Josh Allen being Godzilla, just terrorizing the entire universe. And you think DeMar Hamlin on a fake punt for four yards is the situation to go. So I think what I'm starting to realize, and I think people said this about Andy Reed for, for years and years, those late game situations, I think it has less to do with just how much somebody knows about football. And it just kinds of show how much is going on in these late game situations, how intense 
seeing a 24-24 game in the fourth quarter is. I mean, even we had the Buccaneers trailing 23 to, or excuse me, 31 to 23 with a minute left. They still had an opportunity to go down and win the game. So there are two things that really stuck out. One, having that guy in Mike McDaniel's ear. And two, just keeping the game in reach where you don't have to kind of extend and go for that home run ball. And, you know, everyone was giving Josh Allen a lot of graves because what was it, man? I think he completed 16 passes behind the line of scrimmage. He had some amazing deep throws that were dropped. I'm, I'm not trying to glaze too much here or anything, but the one gripe we had about Tua's game more than anything, man, could you imagine if he completed that behind the line of scrimmage pass to Devon Achan? It's Josh Allen was fantastic. Lamar Jackson was absolutely bananas in his game. Patrick Mahomes was fantastic as well. There were a lot of outstanding players out there. But what I also realized is that you really cannot overlook the little things. There's no reason Nicole Hardman should be running the ball in the end zone just to fumble it out of the back of the end zone because you have Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco. Those are the two things I really uh, am going to focus in. Finding that extra coach to be in McDaniel's ear and those little details, man. That's how you win these late season games. And that's coming from Dolphins fan who knows nothing. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what happened. And it was just, uh, I guess, interesting to see the way these teams who have been here before, right? They still are making these mistakes. So, again, Mike McDaniel, what, second year calling plays, second year as a head coach. Hopefully it all comes together. But, again, those are the things. Late in the year, when you're struggling for your playoff life, you know, you have to have the communication on point. And um, it always seems like, whether it was Buffalo, what, two years ago, this year, you know, they just are struggling to get the ball, the communication in there. And then they're struggling to execute. I mean, I don't know what happened to this offense late in the year, but – um, that's a story for another day. But overall, man, I think when you're looking at these playoff games, I think these are probably two of the best matchups we've seen in a couple of years, don't you think? Oh, God, man, I absolutely love this. I mean, looking ahead, I, I kind of am eyeing a Ravens 49ers Super Bowl. I know that's kind of lazy to go back to uh, 2013 when they played. Uh, but, man, you, you have the Ravens, that defense, and it's so – so I, I don't even want to say frustrating because it is what it is. But I mean, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, what an absolutely fun combination to watch. And then you have a team like the 49ers who you also feel can make that run and finally clinch that Super Bowl they've been looking for. A big reason they are so strong on the defensive end. You have Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, who had two interceptions. He was trying to return one for a pick six because uh, Warner told him before the game that he thought he'd have a pick six. So Greenlaw was really going above and beyond, kind of doing his best like Fred Flintstone impersonation, just trying to sprint all over the field. Uh, but man, looking at these teams and you see even the Chiefs, their defense. I mean, it was so impressive to see their starting 11 in Germany compared to their starting 11 that first round of the playoffs. The continuity there was absolutely insane. It was absolutely awesome. So, I mean, looking at these defenses, that that is where I start the conversation. How much fun this final weekend of football is going to be. Uh, Joshua, who do you got coming out of these final two games here? 49ers, Lions, Ravens, Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to see Lamar. Get there and win one, but I just can't count out Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, I just feel like he's – him and Andy Reid, they're just pretty unstoppable. So, I'm saying that. I'm going to go with uh, – we'll go with the Ravens and – I, I it, it's got to be Ravens and Niners, right? And then everyone's going to say, oh, well, the logo was uh, purple and red, right? It's it's rigged. Um, I, I think that's where you have to go. Maybe that's being lazy like you mentioned. I want to see Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions in there. I want to see – yeah, it'll be fun. That's what do you got? I'm right there. I I have Ravens 49ers, but the thing about the lions and the thing of, Hey, I wish the dolphins did that. I mean, man, it is so, I don't want to even say it makes me salty, but seeing what Ben Johnson is doing with this offense, right? They got rid of both their running backs in the off season. They brought in David Montgomery via free agency and their first two picks, right? Jameer Gibbs, 
And then Sam Laporta. I mean, if the Dolphins hit a one-two punch like that, I mean, you'd be over the moon. That's how you win playoff games right there. But the the touchdown that won them the game, man, I don't know if you saw, but they were lined up inside the five-yard line. We know about the issues the Dolphins had in the red zone. But they had, uh, you know, they had Jameer Gibbs out there. He was actually outstanding all drive. They had a couple guys in motion. And then it was Craig Reynolds who ran the ball in. So that, to me, man, like, the Dolphins all throughout the postseason, late in the season, were trying to be so complex and so detailed in what they were trying to do. But, I mean, like, you have Devon Achan run in motion. You have Raheem Mostert run in motion. And then you just hand the ball to Jeff Wilson. I think there's just so much speed and so much going on there. Like, why why can't the Dolphins be doing that? That's the question I found myself seeing them knock in that touchdown they needed to have. I mean, you're going to your third guy on the death chart. And yet Devon Achan, Raheem Mostert be awesome all year. That's before you get to the number one wide receiver in the NFL. That, that mean, I mean, I feel like we just overcomplicate things sometimes when you can kind of pull things like that out of your head and, and realize that the defenders oftentimes are just trying to tackle the scariest looking guys they can. Yeah, at times it definitely looks like Mike McDaniel and this offense, you know, is overthinking themselves. I do think we can agree Ben Johnson's most likely going to get a head coaching job this offseason, it sounds like. So um, uh, what the Lions are doing there is just awesome. And to see the way Dan Campbell came in, you know, he talked about biting angles and just building – you don't want to say culture, but building that team to where they are now, um, I'm a little bit envious, right? I joked about it. They're so spoiled, those damn Lion fans, now that they have a, a NFC championship appearance. Damn them, dude, because we've never experienced that. It's true. It's true. It's definitely something the Squidward meme were sitting there looking at Patrick and SpongeBob having fun. But like, keep in mind, those first year, and I think the first year and a half under Dan Campbell, they had like four wins, dude. It was ugly, ugly, ugly at first. And I think there's something to be said about continuity. And throughout the offseason, I want to keep that in mind because the Miami Dolphins, man, they're entering this offseason. Some places have about minus 42 million in cap space. Other places go as far to say about 50 million. Uh, just kind of hanging out uh, over the cap. So man, the, the dolphins really have to figure some things out here. I thought today would be a good day to kind of go. And there's a lot of things that need to happen for this dolphins team on the salary cap for them to reach that cap threshold, but we're going to take it a step at a time. So Josh, start with a couple facts here to get us kind of comfortable and we'll see where the day takes us. But we're entering the 2024 off season. The league average in salary cap space is 21 million. The four lowest teams, the Saints, are at negative $82 million in cap space, followed by the Chargers, negative 44, the Bills at negative 43, and then the Miami Dolphins at negative 42. Side note, Josh, the Chargers are interviewing Don Arpont to come be their GM. Who would have saw that coming? Never would have listened to this podcast, right? We were joking that we need to send out the Donna Ponte back, bat signal to get her to come in and fix this cap situation. But, um, yeah, they brought her in there to interview her for, was it, uh, I guess it would be GM or was it the head of, like, football operations? Correct me. Do you know which one it was? I guess you wrote the article, right? That was for their general manager position. Okay. She's held other positions with the Browns, the Jets, the Dolphins as that um, head of football administration where it's, God, I, I couldn't tell you the difference between a lot of these titles, but I mean, they're, they're all involved. They're all involved. Probably, probably zero or something and maybe a little bit less stress, but they have a Ponte interview in there. And then they also have uh, Jim Harbaugh, right? I always get them mixed up. Jim yeah. Harbaugh, right? Uh, Michigan Wolverines. So, you know, there's definitely a timeline at some point, you know, in the in introverse. Is that what it's called? Is that what the cool you know, where we have uh, Jim Harbaugh and Justin Herbert as our quarterback instead of uh, the Chargers. I'm just going to throw that out there. That should be a tinfoil hat episode. There it is. 
a what if of um they actually land Harbaugh in like what what was it 2011 and and then they draft Justin Herbert as like the follow up quarterback after you know winning us that's some sad fan fiction dude that is some real depressing fan I fiction. will I will tell you ever since that that plane ride though that Ross took that has been my uh, number one uh, wish list of a head coach and I don't know that he's ever going to win anything but son of me just wanted to see him in those khakis on the Dolphins sideline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It'd be it'd be comforting, comfort, comforting. Holy, moly, dude! It, working eight hours a day, I'm a mess. So I apologize. So we have three teams with less cap space than the Miami Dolphins, and this really them sitting there with forty two million dollars over the cap has me going back to what was it, man? Twenty nineteen, where the Miami Dolphins had a league high thirty seven million dollars in cap space. You had Ryan Tannehill. $18 million cap hit, Nadama Kansu, $13 million cap hit, and then Andre Branch, Josh Sutton, and Robert Quinn, some more small uh, cap hits. The key here, Josh, I don't think the Dolphins are going to be ripping this thing apart like it's 2019. Wouldn't you say that's kind of a safe assessment here? Yeah, I mean, I hope not, but they do have a ton of free agents, right? I mean, they have a ton, and then we're going to sit here and talk about some guys they're going to cut, so I want to say they're not ripping this thing apart, but in a way, they kind of are, right? They have 29 soon-to-be free agents, and I keep going back to that 2019 season because the expectations are different, but I think Chris Greer's job is, is kind of the same in both of these situations. And don't get me wrong, I think the, the last two years, especially in the draft, have been a massive failure for the Dolphins. Devon Achan has been awesome. I can't wait to see Eric Azucama healthy, but you needed guys like Channing Tindall, Cam Smith, at least players, if you drafted someone else in those situations, to come in and be guys. But at the same time, man, the, the Dolphins didn't have a lot of cap space in 2019 when you mentioned that $37 million in dead cap. It was the tank for two a year under Brian Flores. And the Miami Dolphins, man, they had to build their roster with a lot of uh, bottom-of-the-barrel bottom type guys, someone drafted free agents. Preston Williams came out and, be, and became a stud. I don't know if you saw, but he's actually be playing with the D.C. Defenders this year. Andrew Van Ginkle, he was a fifth-round pick from that draft. Nick Needham was there. So... I think as we kind of start to look at the situation the Miami Dolphins find themselves in, where they're going to be able to free up enough room to have some flexibility, I think the conversation needs to start about when what's the value of continuity? Like, would you rather have $7 million in cap space and dead money for two years or Jerome Baker? Those are conversations I think we will have. I would personally, I'm starting to lean towards like Jerome Baker, uh, but kind of focusing in on where this team really needs to make an impact with the limited dollars is where this conversation is going to be had for the next three months. Yeah. And I think we're all hoping they, you know, use some of those resources on the offensive line, sign some of their own. We know cats a big fan of bringing in some of these guys that, you know, had a little bit of success and isn't really getting paid all that much. I don't know where you want to start Jake, but the first thing that pops out to me, and I don't know that if this is how you want to go about it, right. You want to jump into this because Xavier Howard, I mean, he himself even said, right. Like straight up, if your boss asked you to take a pay cut, would you? And he's like, I mean, let's be honest, man. Nobody would do that, right? Am, am I wrong? So Xavier Howard's cap hit, cap hit $25 million. So that's 10% of the total cap. I am never, ever, ever 
ever, did I say ever, going to tell someone to take less money. That is so unfair. That And it's pretty unfair that all these contracts are out there for us to kind of pick at and be like, well, if I was in that situation, no, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Let's just get that out of the way. That said, there was a little part of me that was kind of hoping that this would kind of complete the um, modern NFL football success story where the team and the player go through some disagreements. There were some issues, but at the end of the day, they kind of work it out. And it was like a feel good story of a team finish or a player finishing their career with a team. doesn't always work out. Welcome to the real world. Um, what was it? The Dolphins signed Byron Jones in the 2020 offseason. They gave him a bigger deal than Xavier Howard had after just going absolutely nuclear, being the team's cornerstone cornerback. So, Xavier Howard, Chris Greer talk, they give him a pay raise and they say, just trust us, go out there, play this year. We'll come back next year and give you that raise. Xavier Howard got that raise, became one of the highest paid players on the team. So seeing those that conversation, that dialogue, that trust, there was a little part of me that was kind of hoping we'd see a situation where, oh, they work it out. Xavier Howard kind of sees the picture. It was the I scratch your back, you scratch mine type of thing. Not saying he should do that, but the fan in me, the Homer bias in me, was kind of doing those uh, mental gymnastics to make that uh, uh, conflict resolution play out. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy you definitely wish we could keep around. I just feel like it's, you know, I mean, maybe maybe there's a way they can figure it out. But this is a guy who has, what, 29 total interceptions, uh, you know, 256 total tackles, has been one of the best corners in football when he's healthy. Um, but that's the thing, right? He's been banged up lately. We know that um, he's getting up there in age. So I can see why the Dolphins wanted to move on with with him I mean we sat here and kind of thought that maybe the Jalen Ramsey acquisition meant that he was going to be pushed out and font next year and with the salary cap going um in complete disarray right now it makes sense but um it just sucks because he got drafted in 2016 he's been around through so many different regimes and um he's been one of our uh you know star players you know when this team was so dreadful when we didn't have all these star players there wasn't Xavier Howard right he was that star player mad in that um, you always knew could shut down that opposition. So um hate to see him go, but I think it has to happen. Yeah, the Dolphins are in a spot where you can't be paying, you know, 10, 11% of your salary cap on someone who's going to miss five, six games. And he's getting up there in age and, and shown that, um, I don't even want to say inability to stay on the field. It's football. You're going to get hurt and that stinks. Uh, but you really need, if you're going to invest – 13% of the cap on Tyree Kill, you expect him to be one of the league's premier wide receivers. If you're paying 11% of the cap to be for Jalen Ramsey to be a lockdown corner, you expect him to be out there on the field. And you can't really pay one guy to be 10% of your salary cap when you're absolutely begging, begging the defensive coordinator to have your other cornerback shadow guys around the field. I understand that had more to do about Cater Coe's limitations in the slot, but I do wonder if this Vic Fangio defense is a little different where you can kind of lean into just having that one star cornerback instead of two. And considering all these issues the Miami Dolphins have, man, I, I just don't see a way where you can really lean in and expect Xavier Howard to be one of those uh, studs on the, on the boundary for a whole you know, 17 game season. Let me ask you this. The Dolphins lost week 17 to the Baltimore Ravens, 56 to 19. Xavier Howard let that game like the second play of the game. I'm not trying freak injuries happen all the time. I'm not blaming him, but 
Do you think that Miami's defense would have been a little more prepared if it was in a situation where second play of the game, someone goes out, if they had the full week to know Xavier Howard isn't going to be there? I think that defense might have even looked a little better than, um, what was it, Cater Kohu and even Vic Banjo just getting absolutely pantsed by Justice Hill. I don't know if that happens, if Xavier Howard can be that guy taking up that cap space and just being a sound cornerback. Yeah, good point. I mean, if Xavier Howard was in that game, who knows what could have happened? I mean, we could go through our entire schedule, right, and sit here and say if Jalen Phillips was in this game. I mean, who knows what could have happened late in the year. So, yeah, I absolutely think it would be a game changer with Xavier Howard out there. Um, I guess the thing I would have liked to see was someone step up and at least prove that they could be that guy behind him, and we really haven't seen that, right? Cater Kohu, um, I mean, I guess it seemed like they thought he was the most comfortable in the slot at nickel. He had a bad uh, bad season by his standards, right? He's been around two years. It's clearly a sophomore slump. Eli Apple, we can eat him into the sun. And then Cam Smith, they drafted, like you said earlier. I mean, the Channing Tindall pick at linebacker, you wanted him to be that young player to step up. You want Cam Smith to be able to step up with when you get rid of it in Xavier Howard because he has that cheap contract, because he has um, a similar play style. But what we saw, or I guess what the coaches saw at least, um, didn't show him enough, I would imagine, to have him go out there as a rookie. Maybe they had all these guys on layaway. That's all we can hope. But um, seeing Xavier Howard go is going to suck. I guess um, the one thing I would ask you, Jake, do you think they could potentially get a trade partner? I mean, he is still a pretty solid shutdown corner. And um, I don't know if I read it on Twitter or if it's just – me knowing that he's from Texas, but Houston, you know, I think he might be from Houston. Thinking about him going to that Texans team, I mean, they could be pretty dirty with him there across from Stingley. That's actually really interesting. Before we get into the exam, I just want to mention Cam Smith after the season, he actually had an interesting quote where he said it was frustrating at times to be on the sideline, but overall he actually thought he'd benefit from it. So, I mean, I'm not ready to kind of uh, – give up on the pick way, or anything like way that. too early and cornerbacks take so long to translate so yeah definitely we'll pump the brakes on calling him a bust but you know what i mean we want to see him come out there and say seeing eli apple just get absolutely torn apart like a, a bad apple and it, it's frustrating too especially for someone like xavian howard right he's on a i think it's a five-year deal currently and 2024 is the highest cap hit he has of that entire deal of it's going to be close to 11 percent um, and then it drops to uh, 9% and then 8% in 2025 and 2026. So, Josh, if the Dolphins trade or move on from Xavier Howard, it's going to be a post-June 1 designation. Now, teams can designate two players to be cut as post – I'm doing a terrible job at wording this, but basically what I'm trying to say it is – there's a whole thing about signing bonuses going on. And if the Dolphins designate Xavier Howard as a post-June 1st cut, they can basically spread out the dead money on his cap hit over two years. So, for example, if the Dolphins were to trade him post-June 1st, they'd have a dead cap hit of 7.4 mil, but they'd have cap savings of about 18.5 million. Now, the same thing is true if they were to cut post-June 1, but if they cut pre-June 1, the dead cap is 23 mil and you're only saving about 3 mil in cap savings. Josh, this is where people start to have the idea of, is the salary cap fake? No, no, it's not fake, but I kind of look at it like playing a racing game. I like to use Rocket League. It's like boost. Salary cap is your boost. You only have a limited amount of boost and you can use that to kind of sprint past that Xavier Howard contract and, and ignore the money. But the thing is, if you're not taking in that, absorbing that hit of $23 million this year, you're taking half of it this year and half of it next year. And all of a sudden, every year, that total amount of boost you can have gets lower and lower and lower. 
Now you can still work around a bunch of things with restructuring contracts, but eventually you're going to need, it could only be one year, but a teardown year. And we see the Rams do that this year and they still made the playoffs. We other, we see other teams kind of march on through that. The saints, if they had any sort of a quarterback, their contract situation would have looked just as ugly, but they've been on the verge of winning the play or making the playoffs in a week NFC South. So that kind of makes sense there. That is the one thing, though, Josh. I think you're right. I think Xavier Howard's the one tough one where the Dolphins have so much move to make, so many moves to make, and the juice isn't worth the squeeze having that contract on the books where it makes sense to eat some dead money and probably eat some dead money over the next two years because this is still a roster that I think can win now. Yeah, and I think that's where I would go, right? If they can't trade him, I think he would end up being then a post-June 1st cut because it does get spread out, gives them a nice little cap relief. And I think that's honestly the first place they're probably going to look. I mean, you heard Xavier Howard's comments. It's going to suck to see him go, like I said, but um, it's time now. He's been around, what, been in the league seven years. I have uh, Spotrack up, and it says that he has the, the number two uh, highest cap hit out of all cornerbacks in the NFL, number four on the Miami Dolphins roster. So, um, Guess who has the number one cornerback cap hit? Ramsey. Ramsey, huh? How about them apples? So and, and that's how many like, games? I wish I had a number of how many games they were on the field together because it didn't feel like they were on, uh, they weren't really together much of the season. And you know we can look back and say what if then that's going to be our biggest what if. What if we had our Patrick Sertan and and Sam Madison for a full 17, 18 game season? I don't want to get well actually here, man. But like, look at these playoff games over the weekend. How many of those secondaries had two lockdown cornerbacks? I wonder if this is like something like part of that Josh Boyer thought process where you did have your corners out on an island. I wonder if you bring in Jalen Ramsey and you can't just refresh the entire unit in one season. I wonder if it was kind of part of the transition to have Jalen Ramsey be that guy and then settle settle in maybe like um just to use Madden lingo, a couple 78s, a couple 80s, where you can kind of lean into some strengths because the way the Vangio scheme set up, the way they use zone defense, like you don't, the only reason you don't want Ramsey shadowing all the time is because it makes it so obvious what you're doing in coverage. And we saw that you can shadow and it can work. You saw that against Garrett Wilson and the Jets, but you also saw the Dolphins do a damn good job of limiting Josh Allen, um, especially in the red zone, by really leaning into that zone defense and confusing him a little bit. Yeah, that's the thing we're most frustrated about. But I keep thinking back to at least the first uh, Dolphins-Chiefs game, right? They pretty much completely shut down. Fangio knew exactly what they were doing. They shut down Travis Kelsey there. So um, I like that that you're mentioning that because maybe their plan is to just have Jalen Ramsey on one side and kind of, you know, just, I mean, let's be honest, quarterbacks aren't looking that way very often. So um, they're looking the other way. You plug it in with some 78 guys. You still got Javon Holland roaming around. They got to sign Deshaun Elliott. That's, I mean, that's, I think, what the hardest thing is here. We're sitting here trying to figure out who to cut to, you know, get under the cap. But even then, at some point, you got to start re-signing some of your own guys, right? I mean, um, lots of quick decisions to be made over, what, the next two months? And um, we got to buckle up because we're going to be sitting there writing these news articles on the Finsider all off season long and doing these podcasts. So make sure you subscribe and like, and all that good stuff. It's always hard to do these shows because everyone wants to just make the laundry list of, of dudes that are going to be cut and things change so fast. I don't want to sit out here and say, yeah, this player needs to be cut and X, Y, and Z, but I did want to go through some other players, Josh, who where it's worth at least having a conversation based on their salary, the dolphins having the, the fourth, I mean, it can't even be the fourth littlest cap space when it doesn't exist. Like, they're that deep in the hole. Um, So some more cuts, Josh. Um, These are non-June cuts where they just be cut before. And and the thing with the the June designated cut post-June 1st as well is that 
money doesn't come off the books until then. So it's not like you can go out there and spend, spend, spend. You might be able to convince some second tier guys after that first bit of free agency. We'll give you this, but we just need to wait to sign it. And that's where the Miami Dolphins might lean into resigning some players. But if they cut Emmanuel Agba, that saves 13 mil, about 4 mil in dead cap. There's no reason to, I wouldn't push that and have it be a post June 1st, $2 million to a $4 million cap hit. I don't think that's so huge. And honestly, man, it was a little upsetting when you kind of see Agba, um, what, 15, 20 minutes before inactives are released, tweeting things like LOL or like shocked. And then he has opportunities against Baltimore and, and Kansas City and Buffalo to to do something. And and he was he was nowhere to be found because he he isn't like the Justin Houstons and the Melvin Ingram. Like he was supposed to be a part of this team and it just just did it was the Andre Branch thing all over again. Yeah, I have him written down too. I actually am circled. I think uh you're right with that. I do think the post June would be they get what? It, it, you're spreading it out though. You're just kicking the can then. So I, I like that, man. Manuel Agba, I mean, I wish he would have stepped up when we needed him most, but it just didn't happen. So um, yeah, he's on my list. I'm circled as well. And I think he's as good as gone. I mean, we don't want to sit here and wish these guys, you know, the work, you know, getting cut, right. We don't want them to lose their job, but when we have to do these articles, you got to sit here and try to find money. And Manuel Agba, he's definitely part of that uh, cap casualty situation. Two guys I want to package in. You cut bait Jerome Baker, you save nine mil, five mil still on the books. You cut David Long, saves four point five mil, two point two mil on the books. Dude, I I think the value of continuity, the value of having these two guys on the roster playing well together is worth whatever you think you're gonna get. Maybe you'll try to draft someone early who can be a day one starter. Uh but man, I think for the the combined price tag of what? 20 million for two starting veteran linebackers. I, I think you're happy with David Long and Jerome Baker. I know there are going to be tough decisions. I don't think they you know, will involve either of these two guys. Famous last words. Yeah, I don't I don't think I would get rid of it. I do have Jerome Baker, you know, circled in case we have to make some money. I, you know, then you'd have Duke Riley stepping into a starter role. And I think uh, you know, we like the guy. He's a very good special teams player. You see him making plays, but I don't know if you want him out there starting, especially over Nick Roll. Jerome Baker. So unless you are going to draft someone or have an, your eye on someone in free agency, I would keep Jerome Baker around and David Long. That wouldn't even be a, a question to me. I, I love that acquisition. I think he really stepped it on after he was in this defense for a couple weeks, I guess, or months. And uh, we saw him just show that he has another gear and that he is going to be a centerpiece in this defense. So um, maybe Jerome Baker, if you have to make a cup, but overall you want both those guys together. Yeah, and I just kind of look at what this defense is going to be, especially at the beginning of the year. You're down your top two pass rushers at least probably for a month. I'm going to stay positive and hope they'll be back sooner. Uh, but that's why I think having those two veteran guys in the middle is going to be so, so important for this defense. We saw Duke Riley kind of get abused late in the season, but even just early in the season, just having those two guys so the defense can hit the ground running. I mean, I'm going to be a broken record, man. I think continuity is going to be so, so important as the Dolphins look to push back in the playoffs. If you can keep guys like Jerome Baker and David Long Jr., I don't think you're going to find anything better. And I think it makes sense. You have those two guys. You have Duke Riley as backup. And then one of your first two picks, I think if it's not an offensive lineman, I think it's going to be a linebacker. Um, two guys I want to also package in together because I think the – um, decisions might be cut and dry. Prove me otherwise. Uh, Mike White, if you cut him, you save 3.5 mil with 1.7 mil on the books. And then Keon Crossan saves 3 mil with zero on the books. I think those are two guys who might be out. Um, I don't think Mike White has really done enough to show that he could be a backup in this league. And what we want the Dolphins to do is keep shooting those quarterback darts. I mean, we just had Brock Purdy come out and say following the 49ers win over uh, the Packers that 
the 49ers were trying to talk to Tom Brady at the beginning of the year, right? So there are teams out there that are always just, hey, how can we get better? How can we get better? It's not a slight on Tua or anything like that, but I think when you're wondering how you can get better, it's not by having Mike White on the books uh, for an extra 3.5 mil. I actually had to send you my uh, photo because I, I took a screenshot of the top salaries on the Dolphins, then circled in green all of the guys I have. And the only reason Alec, the only reason Alec Ingold's on there is because of uh, um, what Kat said. But let's be honest, man, Mike White, I think you liked what you saw, at least on Hard Knocks, and you saw as a backup, we saw him throw a touchdown pass to our boy Robbie Chosen, but I think you can upgrade, throw a dart in the draft. I think – I keep joking about it, but J.J. McCarthy, man, the quarterback from uh, uh, Michigan, I just keep thinking of Stephen Ross just saying, you know what, F all these guys. I'm just going to make my pick. Forget it. I'm tired of this crap. But, um, yeah, I think Mike White's gone, and then Keon Cross, and that's another guy that – Look promising at one point, you know, stepped up. I think it was what two seasons ago, but um, I, I just don't see where he fits on the roster. So, I, I again, I just want to show you visual evidence that um, I at least had the same idea because you're, you're usually the brains. Of this we're pinky in the brain, and you're definitely the brains of this. Oh, dude, no, I definitely have my pinky moments. Uh, Ingold, if he's let go, that's a 3.5 million dollar um cap savings, dude. Again, it's, it's nothing to do with him. I mean, you have. Kyle Jusek being awesome for the 49ers. You have Patrick Ricard being awesome for the Baltimore Ravens. Alec Inkletire paid them both of them. I think I think there's room for Alec Inkle to have a great spot on this team, but until you prove it otherwise, I mean that that cap hit is definitely you're not you're not getting the most out of Alec Ingold, you can, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think their main reason I hate that I come in here so hot. I think the main reason that they um, you know, they keep him around or at least utilize him so much is because he kind of, you know throws the defense off right when he's out he's there you awesome. can line up as a t- yeah and I think they just need to utilize him more if we sat here and saw him get those carries late in the year in those key situations that we're sitting here um that we couldn't convert you know or playing in cold weather and things like that we might be sitting here and saying he's worth it. you know who knows maybe a couple contracts get signed and we're sitting here saying this isn't that bad of a deal but when you're looking at the roster again nitpicking trying to find comb and go through and get rid of players who I mean like we said we want to see more usage out of him so um, I do think he's a guy that he has to be around in this offense for it to click, but at that price, I mean, I don't know what to think. Jason Sanders for $4 million with, with, we have to say he is the only reason the dolphins be a team with a winning record this year is Jason Sanders. Yeah. And I think if the bills had him, they'd probably be in this. Uh, I'm just, um, yeah, I saw that one too. I didn't circle it. I don't think, cause I just couldn't do it, but I do There's think a that conversation, um, but I agree. Yeah. Well, he, he really showed up this year, right? I mean, he made some crucial kicks, but uh, that's a stiff price there. And I do think you can get some cheap rookie or, you know, there's some plenty of free agents out there that would probably love to come to Miami. So definitely something to consider. Some restructures the Dolphins can do where they're changing things into signing bonuses. And this does kind of nibble at you down the down the road, but this is more Stephen Ross breaking out a checkbook. You can restructure Ramsey to save 18 mil. That sounds like something the Dolphins might do. Restructuring Bradley Chubb saves 14 mil. That's also something they might do. Xavier Howard, 13 mil. Uh, Jerome Baker, 6.5 mil. And something else also worth mentioning, uh, the Dolphins already have 10 mil in dead cap on the books for next year. That's Byron Jones. So just kind of keep in mind with these contracts. Like they, they do stick around, even if they're post post June 1st, that you are going to need to take a little, you're losing a little bit of boost. Uh, that's probably the best way I can describe it. You just, your boost, you do not have a hundred percent boost anymore. doesn't mean you can't win. It doesn't mean you can't make uh, uh, moves or anything like that. But what it does also mean is that Chris Greer, my friend, you better hit on some draft picks. You need some cheap talent in here ASAP. 
Yeah, there's so much uh, back and forth over whether or not, you know, Chris Greer's people are like fire Chris Greer. Other people are like, he's been fine and awesome. I mean, now's when he needs to step up to the plate and hit that home mm-hmm. run because if he doesn't, um, you know, at some point the nuke's going to drop and they're going to completely clean house. Um, I think another name you can throw out there is also maybe Tyree Kill for a restructure. Didn't they already restructure him? Or that was that last so. year? I can't remember. Um, and then a guy I have written down that I don't know if we mentioned was Jeff Wilson. He could be cut too, right? I mean, I think uh, – was he getting paid higher than Raheem Mostert? I forget. He I is. think he was. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's another name we can throw out there. And then we can use some money to go sign Derrick Henry. I mean, people keep uh, – we joked about it, but I keep seeing it going around. So I'm like, I got to keep throwing that out there because uh, we were one of the first to bring that up. But overall, man, like you said, do not envy Chris Greer and his uh, group of uh, – his little council, I guess. They better figure it out for sure because we thought we had a, what, two-year window? And uh, sorry, guys, that was year one. To wrap up here, Josh, do you think Chris Greer is the right, right guy for the job? Do you have faith in Chris Greer still? Do you? No, I don't think having faith. Do you, do you think he's the right guy for the job? I, I'm going to word it that way instead of the faith. I don't know. I think my biggest thing was I've gone back. If you go back in the past, how it's probably said that we should have cleared house, right? I mean, I feel like if you're getting rid of a head coach and it it went from what? Ireland to, to Chris Greer, right? Was that not the – Dennis Hickey to, was, was in that, there. I was going to say it was that – as I say, it was Dennis Hickey. It was all the same little group of people. I mean, at no point did they ever completely wipe house. Um, but this was Chris Greer's, what, second opportunity to bring in a head coach. So I don't know if he's the right guy. He had some awesome picks, some guys that we're huge fans of. But I think this year is going to play a large role in that. And you just wonder how much at some point they might get rid of. At, I'm not going to talk about it. But, yes, I think Chris Greer for now um, is seats getting a little hot. What do you think? C is so hot, and I have no confidence in him. But I also think he's the only guy for the job right now. I look at what this team did in 2019 and how he was able to find some of those acorns. They're going to need acorns, man. They When you look at the contract, the guys they signed to future contracts this year, and you compare it to last year, like five of the eight this year have played in games for the Dolphins. I think one of the seven last year did. So there's going to be situations here where the Dolphins need to know the talent they have on the roster. They need to know the weaknesses of the roster. I'm not saying that Chris Greer knows those things. I'm not confident he does, but I'm very confident nobody can come in here on one day's notice, come in here and and work so hard in the margins where this team improves. That's the kind of where I settle in on this where he might not be the right guy for the job, but for right now, he's the only guy for the job because they, you have time against your side. You don't have money on your side. And, and yeah, I, I just think that there's no better option at the moment. Yeah, and I don't want to say he's got us into this mess, but he kind of did, right? I mean, so um, do we talk about any extensions that could be made? We all know Tua Tungvaloa's extension, I think, can lower that. Um, but, I, I, yeah, man, I don't envy him. I was going to joke, what's Nick Saban up to? Did he ever confirm a role with Alabama? Because um, we could see Ross just say, you know what, Chris Greer, you go out, we'll bring in Nick Saban uh, to a time of lows. Boy, I'm just – I'm tin foil hat, man. You brought it up. I don't have one on. That uh, that would be a little too far. For, I don't think I'd be able to handle that. Uh, Nick Saban trying to, like, to recruit – uh, NFL players to come to South Florida. He's, now. he's trying to apologize for uh, failing before and being so mean to all the other other guys, Matt Roth and them. Oh, dude, that was, no, I there's there's not a lot of confidence in this group, and I totally get that. But at the same time, I just think it'd be so unrealistic to have someone come in and say these. This is what we have to do to be put ourselves in the best situation to win. Um, 
what one other final thing. Um, I think Vic Fangio is safe to stay with the Dolphins. Um, there was some hardball coaching tree rumors leaked about if he was going to go to the Chargers. Fangio wasn't mentioned in any of them, so that's a nice bonus. But are are you surprised too? Um, um Danny Crossman. There's been no conversation about maybe the Dolphins making changes at special teams, and, and that to me is even a little concerning, especially week after week in the playoffs. Meet man, there, there's one or two special teams play that makes or breaks you, and we know how bad the Dolphins are in those situations. Yeah, I'd be a little bit surprised just because I kind of thought Danny Crossman would be fired, um, you know, last offseason at this time. So maybe we hear some throughout the week. It is only, what, Tuesday? But, uh, yeah, man, I, I just don't know that it's going to happen. And, you know, that's a whole other issue because special teams was not good this year. Another issue for another podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of another Dolphins podcast. We will be back later this week. Merrick will be joining us to go through some news and notes you might have missed as you're out there enjoying life. But until next time, thank you so much for tuning in to another Dolphins podcast. And until then, fins up. Fins up. Fins up.